Tonight, a complaint prompts the township of Langley to mistakenly remove a pride flag from a resident's yard. Plus... Look at this guy. <laughs> I thought Canadians were nice. Why a professional driver exposes bad behavior on the streets of Vancouver. And... Matt, how you doing? Number one. The 97-year-old BC man who's making a habit of risking life and limb on Father's Day. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. June is Pride Month in several parts of the world, including here in Canada. But tonight, a rainbow flag is at the center of a controversy in a Langley neighborhood. An Alder Grove woman proudly draped it on her property last week, only for it to be mistakenly taken down by the township of Langley when a neighbor complained. Paul Johnson has our top story. I saw it in the store and I thought it would be nice to fly it for Pride Month. Like a lot of homeowners, Langley's Lisa Ebenol from time to time likes to fly a flag for something she believes in. I've got friends and family who are part of the LGBTQ community, so I thought it would be a nice way of sort of um, supporting that. Nothing unusual for a Canadian in 2019 until her rainbow flag disappeared. I thought, well, maybe kids grabbed it. Which would have been just a nuisance. But when Ebenol found out a city bylaw officer had confiscated it, she was crushed. I asked at that time, why did they take it? They said that a neighbor in my, com my community here had phoned in a complaint about it. When I first saw it, I was very offended by it. Neighbor Cheryl Restio didn't say if she had called the city but says the position of the flag made it seem like the whole neighborhood endorsed Ebenol's view. It represents uh, the gay community as um, uh, man with man or woman with woman, and I don't, I don't believe that's right. I know it's not right. We're seeing this rise of hatred and intolerance. Political candidate David C. Jones can list off a number of incidents in recent days where symbols of diversity have been mocked or defaced. And the rainbow flag is not hateful. It doesn't speak out against anybody. It is saying we are included. We are part of Canada. As for the township of Langley, they're now saying this was all one big mistake, that the bylaw officer in question thought the flag was on public property when in fact it was in her yard. They've now returned the flag and said they're sorry. Well, confusion at City Hall is probably something Ebenol can cope with. If the problem some of her neighbors have is religious, she hopes their faith can help them embrace people who are different from them. Because the pride flag represents love and acceptance for all people, which I think was Jesus' message in the first place. In Langley, Paul Johnson, Global News. A Metro Vancouver church is standing strong after its pride flag was defaced for the second time in as many weeks. 
Ladner United Church is still flying a rainbow flag with pride, although it's noticeably blackened due to vandals. This is the church's replacement flag. The first one was tarnished nearly two weeks ago. It now sits inside where members have covered it with messages of love and support. The inclusive church says that the vandalism was a criminal act and sends a clear message, but church members will not be deterred from supporting the LGBTQ2 community. I was quite shocked that this had happened again, and um, it's very hurtful that this continues to happen here in our, in our village. Why would we take it down? We are an inclusive uh, church here, and that flag has a lot of meaning for a lot of people. And just because maybe one person doesn't understand it or has a fear, we're not going to bend to that. We have to stand strong and in unity for the people that need us to be there for them. Metro Vancouver, <clears throat> excuse me, Metro Vancouver motorists are no strangers to bad behavior behind the wheel, but much of it these days is being caught on camera. One of the city's professional drivers recently captured a shocking incident on his dash cam. He's hoping the footage will serve as a warning to let cooler heads prevail as the summer traffic season heats up. Tour bus drivers aim to show visitors the best of Vancouver. What are you doing, man? But sometimes the bad sticks out. This is why I have a dash cam. Because of crazy stuff like that that happens. Oh, Mark, who doesn't want his last name used or company named, thought he'd seen everything. Look at this guy. Until he encountered this SUV driver on his downtown Vancouver tour bus route Friday. Is he trying to park there? Yes. The man, whose face we are not showing, attempts to reverse into the spot where Mark had stopped to let passengers off. When his parallel park fails, he gets out, spitting mad. Look at this guy. I was literally doing nothing. I was sitting, and I get spat at. At this point, I just have to laugh. They were all just kind of baffled at his behavior. He tries to parallel park. Legal experts say it's no laughing matter. The spitting driver could be charged with mischief under the criminal code. Mischief doesn't just contemplate damaging property. It, it includes any type of interference with somebody's enjoyment of their property. Mark wiped away the DNA evidence, instead choosing to share the footage online in the hopes it may stop drivers from overheating this summer. People lose their temper, they do foolish things, and they don't realize that dash cams and cameras are all over town. At least the bus driver kept his cool. At least there was no reaction. Ironically, Mark says he was about to pull away when the SUV driver reversed into road rage. I thought Canadians were nice. Not this guy. A spitting image he hopes won't be repeated. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A crash overnight has seriously damaged a Burnaby auto repair shop. At around 12.30 this morning, police say a vehicle T-boned another at Kingsway and 13th Avenue. The force of the crash sent one vehicle spinning into Edmunds Motors. Both drivers, a 20-year-old woman and a 27-year-old man, suffered minor injuries. City engineers are assessing the structure of the building. No word yet on the cause of the crash. We will learn the fate of the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion project this week. The federal cabinet will decide by Tuesday whether to sign off on the controversial plan for a second time. This comes after official consultations with affected indigenous communities wrapped up earlier this month. 
It's been more than 290 days since the Federal Court of Appeal ripped up the original approval and sent the government back to the drawing board for more First Nations consultations and to study the impact on coastal marine life. If approved, the project would triple capacity of the existing pipeline. Coquitlam RCMP are asking for your help to find a missing senior. Officials say 73-year-old Wolf Hagen Wagner was last seen on June 1st. He is white, 5'9 and 209 pounds. He's balding with short gray hair and has gray eyes. He was last seen wearing leather loafers, brown pants and a brown and gold sweater. He does not have a wallet or a cell phone with him. If you see him, please stay with him and call Coquitlam RCMP. It has been more than a decade since Lisa Dudley and her boyfriend Guthrie McKay were shot and killed in their mission home. For years, her family has been fighting to have her possessions returned to them. But as Grace Key reports, on this day that would have been Lisa's 48th birthday, their efforts remain fruitless. Lisa Dudley's parents head to the Mission RCMP detachment with a court order directing police to return items that had been recovered on the day Lisa died more than a decade ago. But minutes later, they walk out empty-handed. Turns out it would be Lisa's 48th birthday today, and I thought, well, isn't that just great because I can get her belongings for her, for me, and uh, I can sort of be free of all this. And it just never happened. Dudley was shot along with her boyfriend Guthrie McKay in their mission home in 2008. McKay was killed in the targeted shooting. Dudley survived for four days paralyzed. She died on her way to hospital. A neighbor reported shots fired, but responding officers didn't get out of their vehicles. The dispatch call with police was released during an inquiry. Six gunshots in a row and a crash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't you love this? A coroner's inquest was held and four people were convicted in connection with the shooting. In a lengthy legal battle, Lisa's parents fought to have her items returned to them on Sunday. That was supposed to happen. They were told to pick up the items at E-Division in Sturry instead of the mission detachment. This place is closed. Like, they, the evidence room is closed and it's closed on Sunday, but apparently it's open over there. It's we're not much. going to sort. Sorry. I have a daughter I have to look at. We're not even supposed to be in the car for that amount of time with our health problems that we have. A statement from IHIT reads that they are engaged with their partners at the Mission RCMP detachment attempting to expedite the return of these items while remaining in compliance with direction from the court. And I think it was brought up to our attention that uh, one of the items wasn't there. At least so, one of them, and that was her cell phone, one of her cell phones. The family plans on going back to a judge on Friday to come up with an exact time and place when the items are to be returned. Grace Key, Global News. And late today, IHIT issued a statement saying, IHIT investigators and Mission RCMP made arrangements and had the items transferred to a temporary facility in order to meet with Mrs. Soraka. Investigators also made themselves available on their days off to return the items. Unfortunately, the times available were not suitable for Lisa Dudley's family. A mother's plea that we brought you last night will soon be answered. Tammy Kehoe wanted to speak with a witness to her son's senseless death. I think just giving her a hug might even help just a little bit. 18-year-old Jamie Kehoe was stabbed in the throat on a transit bus in Surrey in 2011. After an investigation, Crown Counsel told his devastated family charges would not be laid. Then, just this month, Jamie's mother found a heartbreaking post on her son's memorial page. A young woman says she witnessed the crime and was traumatized ever since. 
After our story aired last night, the witness reached out saying she is willing to meet with Jamie's mom. BC wildfire crews are responding to a fire west of Port Alberni on Vancouver Island. The blaze broke out this morning near Taylor Flats. The fire is less than a hectare in size at this point. Firefighters are tackling it from the ground and by air. Additional crews are being brought in tonight to assist as the fire is still classified as out of control. Now homes or structures are threatened. The fire is suspected to be human caused. In the Okanagan, an early morning grass fire on Penticton Indian Band land has residents of the city's West Bench neighborhood on edge. Travis Lowe has the story. Yeah, go wake her up. Go get him. A frightening wake-up call early Sunday for some residents of Penticton's West Bench neighborhood. When our neighbors woke us up, we came outside, saw the flames, and realized that it was fairly close, fairly serious. So we got ready to leave. The five-hectare fire was, in fact, directly behind Margaret Holmes' Sun Glow Drive property. Luckily, though... There was a, a cool breeze that came from the west and fanned the flames down away from our subdivision here. A blackened, burnt hillside, all that's left of the blaze now. But even though it's completely out, the fire continues to draw the concern of neighbouring residents. This could have taken out a lot more than what it did. Darlene Neal and Tom Southern have come to the end of Bing Drive to take a first-hand look at the overnight blaze. And what they see worries them. We were very lucky too with the west wind last night because as you can see, by what you got right now, oh, yeah. basically, if the wind had shifted the other way, it'd be right onto the home. Today. Right into the community, and, and that's where concerned about the place, you know, yeah. with being part of the West Bench community. Everyone, though, thankful for the quick work dousing the fire by both the Penticton Fire Department and the Penticton Indian Band. Thank you to the firefighters for getting it out so quickly, because if it hadn't, we would have probably had a lot more devastation going on. And in the wake of being woken up by a grassland fire in their backyards, some West Bench residents have a message they would like everyone to heed. Please be careful. Think about what you're doing. Make sure your fires are out and make sure that you are understanding where you are in the community. It is very dry here. We don't need fires right now. It's too soon. Travis Lowe, Global News, Penticton. When we come back, climbing a mountain for a hero. And you'll see, that's what a figure eight looks like. Yep. Former colleagues learned the ropes ahead of a monumental journey, one that Constable John Davidson had planned but didn't live long enough to achieve. And the grueling annual event this weekend that separates the tough mutters from the rest as Global News Hour at 6 continues. Uh, the older you get, the more you realize the things, the ways you become like your father. I think the little things you do or the mannerisms you see in him, you start to see in yourself. Our dad means like everything. He's like yeah. our hero. He's always there for us. Happy Father's Day! <laughs> Another sign that summer is less than a week away. Thousands in Vancouver packed Main Street between Broadway and 30th Avenue to enjoy the annual Car Free Day with pedestrians taking over the streets. The event highlights the benefits of being less dependent on vehicles. The West End held its car-free day on Denman Street yesterday. Commercial Drive will hold its festivities on July 7th. 15 hikers from BC will feel like they're on top of the world next month. They're set to make the arduous trek up Mount Baker in Washington State. As Tanya Beja reports, the journey will fulfill a wish by fallen Abbotsford Police Constable John Davidson. You're going to do one twist, 
and then another twist. They're tackling a new challenge one knot at a time. You can come forward and then up through the backside. You can do it that way as well. Fifteen members of the Abbotsford Police, Central Valley Search and Rescue and RCMP gearing up to climb Mount Baker in honour of a fallen colleague and friend. It was always a dream or as uh, John used to say, a bucket list hike for him. So we've all come together to uh, do this in memory of him and uh, celebrate John Davidson. Constable John Davidson was shot and killed while responding to a call on November 6, 2017. The 53-year-old had plans to scale Mount Baker, but died before getting the chance to fulfill that dream. So it'll be a really special chance for us to honour John, uh, especially with a mountain that overlooks our city so prominently. Davidson's two daughters and his son Drew will also join the expedition to the summit. Gets a relatively good headlamp. You're going to want to bring snacks. The other big thing that you're going to have to carry is water. The training is physical with weekly hikes planned before the group leaves next month. But members say the preparation is also part of their healing as they work through tough times together. So the burst run, if you guys don't know, is a terminology where the mountain separates from the glacier. Climbing is a very team-orientated activity. There's a lot of trust between team members on a, on a rope team. Uh, just like there is in policing or fire or, or ambulance. To be with John's children, uh, Drew, Dina and Faye, who uh, are such special people, and to complete that with them will be very special for me personally. Once they reach the summit, Davidson's colleagues say they will leave behind a commemorative coin in his honour. Tanya Beja, Global News. Okay, these folks are either extremely brave or crazy or both. The annual Tough Mudder competition was held in Whistler this weekend. There they go, an estimated 8,000 people grinding their way through a 16-kilometer course in the resort city. It's intense, but it's all good fun. Most of the obstacles require help from others to complete, proving that teamwork really does make the dream work. It's an amazing experience. Um, whether they're doing the classic and they're coming for a challenge, challenge themselves uh, for the camaraderie, um, or if they're doing the 5K, um, they're coming to you know try to level up, try to do something new. It's awesome. Yeah. You feel accomplished. It's a great run. The obstacles were great. Yes. We had a good time as a team. We're looking forward to coming out next year. And a big congratulations to all of our Global News team members who also participated in that. So it's Mother's Day, not Father's it's Day. Oh, good. A dad joke Cute. early on. It well, it is our joke. day, okay? Totally. I, like I hope you all groaned along with us. <laughs> oh, my God. Beautiful Father's Day today. <laughs> yeah, for most of us, yeah. though, we have been tracking some thunderstorms oh. that have been sparking up through the interior. Yeah. Uh, that, along a cold front that's slicing through the province. Tomorrow, also a thunderstorm risk where it could become isolated severe. So today it should be non-severe in nature. Tomorrow's a different story, so I'll show you the place that could be seeing that. Meanwhile, photos of a mysterious-looking cloud that has Whoa. a crazy resemblance to a funnel cloud yes, uh, have been spilling into the newsroom all day. This happened earlier today at approximately 11 a.m. in the Thompson-Nicola region. I'll explain what this is okay. coming up in your forecast. Wow. Mm -hmm. wow. Okay, any more comedy stylings? No, no, but Father's Day, what do most dads want to be on? The golf course, so golf is uh, front and center. Uh, and very proud dad, Brooke Henderson's dad's very proud today because she won another tournament. It's a record setter. I'll tell you all about that. And the U.S. Open is literally just wrapping up in the next 10 or 15 minutes. We'll have highlights of that too, so Looking big golf day. Mm-hmm. 
More protesters returned to the Chinese consulate in Vancouver today. This time it was a Christian group, many of them dressed in black. They say they're concerned about the potential violation of human rights and freedoms in Hong Kong as massive demonstrations against a controversial extradition bill continue today, despite an apology from the Hong Kong government. A sea of people, most dressed in black. According to organizers, as many as two million in a massive show of anger. The turnout here reflects a deep distrust of a leadership steered by Beijing. What are people afraid of? China. At issue, a proposed bill allowing extraditions to mainland China. At stake, freedom of expression and Hong Kong's autonomy. We are afraid that Hong Kong will become just like an ordinary city in China. The growing political crisis is putting pressure on Hong Kong's leader, Carrie Lam. I feel deep sorrow and regret. Yesterday, she announced the bill would be delayed for now, but that fell short of demands to scrap it altogether. The government's decision to suspend the bill did little to cut turnout here, and at every metro station and pedestrian overpass, the crowd keeps getting bigger. And tonight, another concession, a rare apology for what Lamb called deficiencies in the government's work that caused disappointment and grief among the people. Still, they're calling on her to resign. It's an historic week of protests that spiral to violence. Today's all-ages crowd shows how wide the opposition is here. Many protesters staying well into the night, vowing this fight is far from over. Janice Mackey-Frayer, NBC News, Hong Kong. The Quebec government passed a contentious immigration bill overnight. The legislation gives the province's immigration minister more authority over who receives permanent residency in the province. It also allows the government to cancel roughly 18,000 immigration applications. The legislature continued to sit today to debate controversial secular legislation that would ban public servants from wearing religious symbols on the job. And the bills have come in on the April ice storm that hit parts of Quebec, plunging hundreds of thousands into the darkness. Hydro-Quebec says it's co- it cost them $14 million. At the height of the outages, more than 300,000 residents, customers across Montreal and the surrounding areas lost power. The provincial utility said it had nearly 1,000 workers in the field fixing down lines. Those employees collectively put in more than 45,000 hours of overtime. At least four tornadoes touched down in parts of Indiana last night. Meteorologists say one was nearly 200 meters wide. It hit a town near Indianapolis with winds of 100 miles an hour causing widespread damage. So far, there are no reports of injuries. Crews are working to clear roads and restore power. France's most famous orangutan is celebrating her 50th birthday today. Nanette was treated to a birthday cake and gifts, including exotic fruits. She's one of the world's oldest Borneo orangutans in captivity and was settled at the zoo in Paris in 1972 when she was just three years old. Painting is one of her favorite pastimes. Orangutans in the wild have experienced sharp population declines in the past 20 years due to commercial deforestation. Well, it sounds sort of like the beginning of a joke, but it's not. After two weeks on the lam, a missing Edmonton tortoise is back home tonight. I woke up to a Facebook message saying, I think I might have found your tortoise. So he sent me a picture. I said, yeah, that's him. He said, give me 30 seconds. I'm out of the house coming to get him. <laughs>
Sydney Troke is overjoyed to have her 11-year-old tortoise Vladimir back. He went missing a couple of weeks ago when she was out gardening. Vladimir likes to spend time outdoors with her. He sometimes manages to move a piece of fence, somehow managed to move a piece of fencing and slipped out of the yard. Friends helped search for her little guy. He was spotted crossing the road by strangers who contacted. I was a wreck driving there and um, when I got there to see that it's him cruising around their backyard, it was just the best feeling in the world. Aww, Cindy says that she's, uh, she got through her entire yard and uh, secured everything to make sure that there is no way that Vladimir can get out again. The photo of a first Father's Day that's going viral. We're going to have more on that right after Cash's forecast. And Cash, i got to ask you, what is with that weird cloud you showed uh-huh. us here? Uh-huh. So many people had sent in photos like this. This one from Nutsford. Yes, there's a place called Nutsford. This is uh, in Kamloops. But it does have an unbelievable resemblance to a funnel cloud, right? Okay. Uh, have a look at some more photos that were sent in. This from Campbell Lake. Thank you to Greg. Uh, so many people sent these in. So this had perplexed so many of us, including myself, including our friends over at Environment Canada. This freakish resemblance, it did not have any rotation. This was not a funnel cloud. But it does look like it was convective in nature. It was associated with the front that is sweet across the province and this could be what's known also as a beaver tail cloud because of the broad flat uh, surface and then the shaft there coming in from it this would be the updraft so because it has been so dry we didn't see a lot of uh, water come to surface if anything we didn't even see any moisture move in from this but what a sight it was look at this one also taken by Aaron okay in any case a front is moving through the province it is sparking thunder showers we have been tracking them over the past few hours throughout the Similkameen region and they continue to track further east so the Okanagan it's pretty much on your doorsteps with these thunderstorms our greatest risk would be strong downpour heavy downpours, which we've been seeing in Karameas already and the Princeton region, and also very strong winds. So all areas marked in blue here do have that risk. We're looking at winds in excess of 70 kilometers per hour, so potentially damaging winds with these thunderstorms. Meanwhile, our greater uh, concern would be for tomorrow. So a little bit more Cape values in the upper atmosphere, um, convective available potential energy, and that... uh, is more so available in the northeast of the province as well as the Kootenai region. So we're seeing a little bit more energy with the thunderstorms that may be ro- rolling through these regions tomorrow. So keep an eye out for that. We could be seeing some watches and warnings spark from there issued by Environment Canada. Meanwhile, everybody else marked in blue a potential for non-severe thunder showers. So here's how it all plays out. A large upper-level trough sits over the entire province, so that's why a lot of us do have the risk of showers. It does ease through the overnight, clears out for us, and then the next system moves in. And that's going to be sparking up a few showers and thunder showers again for tomorrow afternoon. A widespread area could be affected. Not so much us, though, along coastal sections. So I'm going to show you very quickly your long-range forecast. Uh, the BCP, so risk of thunderstorms. You're going to see this a lot coming up. Whereas Whitehorse, it's just a chance of showers for you on your Monday. The North Coast, showers are moving in and they're going to be sticking out around over the next several days. The caribou in the central interior, you do have a pretty good chance of seeing those 
those thunder showers, as is the case for you in the Columbia and the Kootenai region. On your Monday, Tuesday clears out quite nicely. Thompson, the Okanagan, it's your turn tonight, whereas we clear out pretty nicely tomorrow with the sun cloud mix 31. Temperatures are going to be falling by Wednesday. Everybody's going to be a good 10 degrees cooler than we are on Monday. Whistler, uh, just a chance of showers 22 for the island. Windy near the Strait of Juan de Fuca. And this, a look at your long-range forecast for Metro Vancouver. Colleen. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kesha. Well, some royal dads posted on social media this Father's Day. Prince Harry and his wife Meghan shared this picture of their son, Archie, who was born last month. It was captioned, Happy Father's Day and wishing a very special first Father's Day to the Duke of Sussex. Not to be outdone, Harry's big brother William posted a picture of himself with his youngest son, Prince Louis, the one-year-old playing on a rope swing in a garden co-designed by his mother. The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, of course, have two other children, George and Charlotte. And Harry and William's father, Prince Charles, shared a photo of the three of them sharing a joke in the garden of Buckingham Palace. And the caption said, To dads everywhere! Have a wonderful Father's Day. Hundreds spent this Father's Day racing up Grouse Mountain in support of the fight against breast cancer. In the 16th annual Seek the Peak, starting at Ambleside Park, hikers headed up the Grouse Grind all the way to the peak of Grouse Mountain. Since 2004, the event has raised more than $465,000 for breast cancer research. Okay, Barry, before we get to your sportscast, mm. we've got to show everybody this, what's going to be happening tomorrow. Mm-hmm. The Raptors' rapture will continue tomorrow when Toronto effectively shuts down to celebrate the team's historic NBA championship victory. Some fans are already staking out their spots to watch Monday morning's parade, which will end with a rally at Nathan Phillips Square. Some team members returned last night after partying in Vegas. In case you didn't know, yeah, on Thursday, they beat the Golden State Warriors in Game 6. Toronto Mayor John Tory has already been warned by other cities to expect millions to show up for the party. If you even just look at the number of people who were out in the streets the other night, and that's in the middle of the night, uh, I think it's going to be a large crowd, but that's great. Everybody's been so well behaved. You know, luckily the streets calmed down a little bit since we won, so we didn't have to go through that, but... uh no, just just looking forward to enjoying this moment with the city and, and with the people here who've been, you know, itching for this for so long. Yeah, Toronto's earned it. Mm-hmm. Says he's Freddie Van Vliet. That's why he makes three pointers in Game Six of the NBA Finals because he's cool. Nothing, so cool. nothing gets him going. That no. guy was incredible. All right, got an incredible story to start here. Great too. golf. All right. Thanks, Colleen. Uh, well, even when Brooke Henderson was just 14 years old, there was no doubt in anyone's mind she would be a special player on the LPGA Tour, and she has delivered on that promise. Today, the 21-year-old from Smith Falls, Ontario, is looking for her ninth LPGA win at the Meyer LPGA Classic in Michigan. That is significant because that ninth victory would make her the winningest Canadian ever on the LPGA or PGA Tours, breaking a tie with greats Sandra Post, Mike Weir and George Knudsen, who all have eight career wins. Brooke and her sister Brittany on the bag, sisters uh, that are a dynamic duo on the LPGA Tour right now. Brooke at the par 5 fourth, little seven-footer for birdie, knocks it in, gets to minus 20, and then at the par 3 sixth, Brooke's tee shot is a beautiful one, sticks it to a couple of feet. Wow, that's a great shot. Another birdie, 21 under, three-shot lead. Now to the 13th, and another par three, and Brooke puts another great swing on it. She is one of the most talented 
female golfers on the planet, lands it to about five feet, and then she will finish the job as she curls it in for her third birdie of the day, gets to 22 under, and you know she had a pretty comfortable lead with just five to go, but on 16, her first trouble of the day needs this long putt for par. Look at that steely concentration from Brooke Henderson. Needs this for par, gives it a good run, but it's a bogey, her first and only one of the day. And while that was going on, ahead at 18, American Lexi Thompson for Eagle makes it. Second straight day, she eagled 18. Thompson in a group at 20 under, just one shot back of Brooke. But on 18, Henderson with a short tap in for the win. She's got it, her second Meyer LPGA Classic win in three years, and she makes history her ninth LPGA Tour win, the most victories ever by a Canadian on the LPGA or PGA Tours, and it comes on Father's Day. It's really cool. This is actually my third win on Father's Day, so I need more of those. <laughs> but I'm so grateful for everything he and my mom have done for both Britt and I. And it really is a family event. And it's just, I'm so happy and really grateful for everything. And I, I just want to wish everybody happy Father's Day. Isn't she just the sweetest? The uh, last couple of decades, the U.S. Open has been a war of attrition. The USGA setting up the courses so ridiculously hard that players needed therapy afterwards to unwind from the 72-hole grind, where finishing at even par gave you a great chance at victory. But this week at Pebble Beach, at one of golf's most beautiful settings, we have seen beautiful golf with plenty of birdies and a dramatic final round today featuring a guy who's built for winning this tournament. No, not Tiger Woods, although he has won a couple of times, including at Pebble in 2000 by a record 15 strokes. Tiger has not been able to regain the form that won him the Masters in April. Second straight day off to a tough start, bogeyed four of his first six. Didn't do anything well. He did pull it back, though, on 13 from 42 feet. Tiger knocks it in. Six birdies over his final 12 holes, finishes two under for the tourney. Tied 21st, Abbotsford's Nick Taylor finished at plus two, tied 43rd. Now, Brooks Kepka. He's the guy who's won the last two U.S. Opens, needing a big comeback to make it a three-peat, and he started on fire. Birdied one, and then this incredible par at the second. His third shot from the deep rough got it close, made par, and he rode that momentum. Meanwhile, Gary Woodland, the 54-hole leader, trying to keep Kepka at bay. Nice birdie at the second. Woodland 0 for 7 in his tour career with a 54-hole lead, trying to change that today. Kepka, meanwhile, at the fourth. Terrific approach here to four feet, made birdie to get it to 10 under, but Woodland responds at the third. This is a great back and forth battle. Woodland with the birdie here, and he gets it to 13 under par. Back to Kepka at the fifth. He's got a 21 footer for birdie. And this guy can't miss. Four birdies in his first five holes. He's at 11 under. Now, both players made bogeys, but then Kepka at the 11th. Straight up the hill, 10 feet. Another birdie here to get to within one of the lead. We've got a game for sure. Now, there is a third horse in the race. England's Justin Rose playing in the final group with Woodland. Clutch par save here. Stays at 10 under and just two back of the lead. But on 12, Woodland... He's starting to show some nerves. For par, no. He drops a shot, his lead over Kepka and Rose down to one with six to play. Rose at 13 for par now. Kind of unraveled down the stretch today. Second straight bogey. Rose faltered, finished tied for third at minus seven. Now to 14 and this 
is the shot of the day. Second on the par five, Woodland going for it, 263 yards uphill, crushes the fairway medal, just clears the bunker, would two putt for birdie, now has a two-shot lead. Now at 18, Kepka really needs a birdie to put on the pressure, but he misses the short one, so it's a two-shot cushion for Woodland, playing 18. So he just needs three putts, actually, from here for the win. But, hey, why not go out in style? Drains it for Birdie to leave no doubt who was the best this week. His first-ever major title finishes at 13-under, three shots better than two-time champ Brooks Kepka. A great performance by Gary Woodland under pressure today at Pebble Beach. Back, the Lions made a lot of changes in key areas in the offseason, and last night in their season opener, they looked like a team that could use a little more together time. There were moments of joy, but in the end, Winnipeg was the better team, so the Lions head back to work tomorrow, knowing there's plenty on the to-do list. Now trying to do with the Lions what he did with the Asks. Now Riley comes one, and a little more finish, a little more polish, and we're talking about a Lions victory instead of dissecting BC's season-opening loss to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. This much we know. Riley and the offense are going to move the ball this year. He finished the night with 324 yards passing, but it wasn't enough. The difference between winning and losing is always in the details, and there was just a couple little things here and there. Um, early throughout the game that, that we could have done better, that I could have done better, that um, would have changed how the fourth quarter goes. And then you get in the fourth quarter and you're down and you start pressing and, and you're taking chances that you wouldn't be taking otherwise. So, um, you know, credit to them. They played a good game and they beat us. But uh, there's a lot of things that we're capable of doing better um, that we'll, we'll do our best to clean up over the next week. And if we can manage to do that, um, you know, we'll be in a much better position next week. There's lots of positives for the Lions to build on. BC's return game looks vastly improved with Brandon Rutley returning from a blown out knee highlighted by his 108-yard kickoff return touchdown. But where the Lions are really going to have to turn things up is on defense. Sound familiar? Winnipeg converting the opportunities given to them by BC. Bombers finishing the night with 322 yards of total offense. I mean, when you play good teams like that, you can't beat yourself. You got to, you know, penalties, field position, and just little details where you're off the hash on one, miscommunicated on the pressure, and those type of things. I mean, we just got to be better with those and hone in on them. So, you know, like I said before, you don't really, you don't really lose, you learn, and we got to learn from this and get better. And you want, it's a heavyweight fight, 18 rounds, and we uh, got a standing eight count in the first round. Now, how do we reload Nance in the second round? So uh, we got Edmonton on a short week, and we'll be ready to go. All right, FIFA Women's World Cup, Team USA coming off that 13-0 win over Thailand where the team was rightfully criticized for over-celebrating goals when the game was out of hand. It doesn't matter if you're a woman, a man, a boy, or a girl. you got to win with class and dignity. Taking on Chile today, 11th minute, Carly Lloyd gets the Americans off to a bright start, 1-0. And then 15 minutes later, Julie Ertz will make it two for the Americans. Heads in the corner, USA quickly in charge, and they add another... Identical looking playoff, another corner, Carly Lloyd with her second of the match, and that's the way it ends. 3-0 USA as they clinch a spot in the round of 16. Also from Group F, Sweden and Thailand, Sweden's strike in the sixth minute. Linda Sembrandt aggressive to the ball, heads it in, and it's 1-0 Sweden. They were up 2-0 late in the half when Fridolina 
Rolfo fires a left foot screamer past the tie keeper. Sweden take it 5-1. They improve to 2-0. They'll play the USA on Thursday with first in Group F on the line. Felix Oje Aliasim has had a breakthrough season on the ATP Tour, but he's still looking for his first win. He lost his third final of the season today, dropping the Stuttgart Open final to Italian Matteo Berrettini. The 18-year-old from Montreal is now ranked 21st in the world, a new career high. Wimbledon begins in just two weeks. And some baseball, Blue Jays and Astros from Houston, Toronto, trying to avoid another sweep, and they did that with feeling today. Fifth inning, Lotus Guriel Jr. with a two-run homer. He's a good young player. 4-0 Toronto. Then in the sixth, Freddie Galvis gets all of that one. That is a three-run blast to left. 7-0 Toronto. And then later in the sixth, Teoscar Hernandez with a three-run jack. And the Jays blast the Astros by the final of 12 to nothing. By the way, James Paxton of Ladner was the winner today as the Yankees uh, won their game. So Paxton now 4-3 and three on the season. Okay. Last week, we showed you two people in their 90s who tandem skydive for charity. Well, this 97-year-old man has them both beat. Patrick Allen used this Father's Day to make the leap with Skydive Vancouver Island on Qualicum Beach. But this isn't his first time taking the plunge. No, that happened 17 years ago when he was a mere 80. And on Father's Day three years ago when he was a mere 94 years old, he made the leap with his grandson. As for his for today's jump? How you doing? Number one. <laughs> After the awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. You've done it again. I'm floating from heaven. Thank you, buddy. You're very welcome. You did well. You did well. <laughs> I'm glad that you landed with me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hate, to leave, you, I hate to leave you up there. Pretty, pretty chill for uh, yeah. do, you know skydiving at and 97. Funny. It was nothing. Yeah, it's funny. He's my hero. That's impressive. <laughs> okay, on this Father's Day, we leave you with some dad jokes, courtesy of global personalities from across the country and here at home. Toronto's Alan Carter, Global Calgary's Matthew Conrad, and our very own Chris Galas. Thanks for joining us, and happy Father's Day. Why do some insects have short lifespans? Because time flies. <laughs> So I walked into the butcher's shop today. When I walk in, the butcher goes, I bet you can't grab those steaks off the top shelf for me. No, the steaks are too high. Why did the mushroom go to the party? I'm a fun guy. What do you call fake potatoes? Imitators! You know why grandma hates her new stair lift? He drives her up the wall. How can you tell a dad joke is different than a regular joke? It's apparent. <laughs> Happy Father's Day!